I love when the elders invite me to speak because I am so blessed when I prepare. Um, I hope that it blesses you uh, as well, and that's been my prayer because you guys are so, so special. I was reminiscing with Mike McClintock this morning. Ten years ago, my uh, first Sunday at Two Rivers Ever was here in this building. We're back there sitting where Justin is right now, and uh, the McClintocks and Clint Ball and uh, the Brooks were on the back row. Now, at that time, they all could fit on one row, um, but now they can't. But uh, it, it's been a long time, and you guys are special. Um, <clears throat> so if you look at your outline, um, I actually have four points. Uh, Justin and Phil have trained me over the years to actually have a point and so, four points on there, uh, cloud nine, test, recovery, and work. Each one of these four experiences could be a sermon in themselves, and so I'm just going to touch on these briefly and ask, and it's been my prayer as I prepare this, that God would encourage you individually to dig a a little deeper as he leads you on one of these areas in your own life during the week. And in a way, this does seem like Christianity 101. Um, But because we do live in a fallen world, and I used to jingle my keys and say, how in the fallen world are you? Um, The point being, how do you know we're in a fallen world? Your keys are evidence of that. Why do we have keys? to lock things because we live in a fallen world. If we didn't live in a fallen world, we wouldn't have keys to lock our doors, to start our cars, etc. But um, it does seem like Christianity 101, but because we live in a fallen world, we tend to forget quickly God's previous work in our lives. I know I am so guilty of this that I worry and I, I'm like, or have anxiety because I'm not sure God is really going to help me. And all this while in my Christian life, He's helped me every single time. But I forget that, and, uh, or I don't remember as well. Especially recently, so much going on in our lives. Um, this pattern of experiences, these four experiences, has occurred in our lives, maybe in more amplified ways, it seems. So I wanted to share with you a personal story of how God used this pattern of experiences to minister to us as I touch on these four experiences as I go through it together. So the first point is cloud nine in your outline. Matthew 3, verse 16 says, And when Jesus was baptized... Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Wow, what a cloud nine moment! And, I mean, I would think for Jesus, but especially for those around him, 
I mean, think of John the Baptist and his life and his preparing. And for him personally to see this, this this was the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus as recorded in Scripture. He has been confirmed publicly by God with a voice from heaven. The Spirit descended on him, whatever that looked like, or I guess like a dove. But, and John the Baptist was told by God, this is how you'll know who the Son of God is, because you're going to see this Spirit like a dove descend on him, and that's the one who is the Messiah. Wow. What a cloud nine moment. And I'm sure that you have had some of those cloud nine moments in your life too. A new job. Equally wonderful, perhaps a huge aha moment in Scripture. I remember when I finally got depravity. Whoa! (laughs) Or where you might just feel particularly close to God in a, relationally in a period of your life. That too is huge. It's an aha moment. For us, personally, recently, it was reaching 100% to go to the mission field to get 100% funded. These are all wonderful blessings. They are high points. They are cloud nine moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and Romans chapter 9 tells us that God has prepared these gifts in advance to give to us. It is right to rejoice in them. They are gifts from God. Point two. Test. So a quick refresher on test. Some people call them trials. I think trials are tests. God tells us all the time in Scripture, I think, I heard there was this huge number of times where God tested people in Scripture. I, I, maybe you can look that up. Um, but God tells us all the time that He tests people. The Bible, in, it's in the Bible all over the place. God does not tempt Anybody. I think most of us know this. James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. So, God does not tempt. Temptation itself, of course, is not sin. Yielding to that temptation becomes sin, is sin. But the temptation itself is not. Of course, how do we know this? Because Jesus was tempted, but yet we know He has no sin. So temptation is not sin. All right. A trial is a test of our faith, and a temptation is something added to a trial by the devil. We often ask, which one is it? I don't know if I'm being tested by God or tempted by Satan. Oftentimes, it is both. 
Oftentimes, it is both. I like what Greg Brown, he's a professor that teaches in Korea, a Christian professor, he said in a book, um, The Bible Teacher's Guide, he says, in every trial God brings, we can be sure that Satan comes behind to tempt us with our own natural desires. And so, yes, tests from God, temptations from the devil, they often go hand in hand. Why test us? A lot of people ask this question. Deuteronomy 8.2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you? Why? In order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep His commands. So, tests are not meant to trip us up. I had a good friend, known her for years, and she said, her and her husband were struggling, and she felt like God was just setting these booby traps all over the place for them. Traps to trip them up, to fall down. And I said, let me ask you something. Does a teacher, I think of Caroline, she's been teaching third grade at Daniel Island for the last 10, 11 years, and when she gives a test to a student, is her intention to trip them up? Now, some of you might be thinking, I had professors that did that. But Caroline's sweet. She wouldn't do that. And God is too. He wouldn't do that. It's not to trip us up. They are not traps set for us. God uses these tests to show us what is in our heart. To show us, to teach us more about ourselves. So, in a sense, these temptations, these tests, not temptations, these tests bring us closer to God. Hebrews 12.9 says, Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He, God, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You can think of tests from God as training and discipline to yield peace in your life. So what is our response? Well, James is really good at telling us about this. In James chapter 1, he says, My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So God is making us strong. He's helping us to endure. Finally, the Boy Scout motto. Be prepared. We're getting ready to go to Athens, Greece. And so I am reading a book on culture shock. Now, we've lived overseas seven years in the past in Asia But it's been 17 years since we've been back on the field, really, for any length of time. So we've gotten used to America again. 
And I know that I need to prepare because culture shock is coming. And all through the book it says this famous phrase for those of us who understand culture shock in other countries, not good, not bad, just different. But he, the author of this book makes a great point. He says, just knowing that it's coming is half the battle. It doesn't mean you're still not going to get sick and throw up. You still might get sick and throw up. But just knowing that it's coming is half the battle. So, you wake up tomorrow morning, you open your eyes, and God is sitting next to you. He says, good morning. Today, 1.30, you're going to be tested. Disappears. Do you think you might begin to prepare a little bit? Say, okay, I'm going to be tested. I'm going to be tested. I know I'm going to be tested. All of a sudden, what was that Ephesians 6? Put my armor on. Okay, got my armor. Because I know that temptation might come with this testing. Preparing is half the battle. So, be prepared. Um, Ephesians 6.10, of course, be strong in the Lord and in strength of His might put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So it does help just knowing. It helps you recognize it for what it is. And that's my, my big thing, and maybe you're like me sometimes. I often don't recognize a test when it comes to me. I think of it as an aggravation, as a pain, as a uh, why isn't this working out? Why aren't things just unfolding wonderfully for me? If I could just say and just realize right off the bat, I bet this is a test. Okay, how can I pass this test? I want to pass the test because I want to please God, because I want to grow closer to God, because He loves me, because He created me. I know that this is the point. I'm working on that. All right. Matthew 4. Let's talk about, let's look at the temptation real quick of Jesus. So he was led up into the, spill, uh, into the uh, wilderness, tempted by the devil. Um, and he says, if you are the Son of God, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, the devil takes him up, sets him on a pinnacle, and says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourselves down. And uh, Jesus says, Again, it's written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So twice here, what does the devil do that he does to you and to me all the time? He attacks our identity in Christ. He says, You are not worthy. You are not worthy really a child of God. So when he says you're not worthy, I always say, you are right. I am not worthy, but Christ is worthy. And you hide yourself in the identity of Christ. So, 
always, at least for me personally, I hope that relates to you somewhat how the enemy might attack you. But for me, he attacks my identity, uh, just like he did Jesus. Um, Our response should be the same as Jesus. Use the word. Psalms 119.11. Thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Use the word. Um, We hide it in our heart so that we can pull it out. Romans 3.24. We're justified. This is what I try to say to Satan. We are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ. So stay in the Word to keep your relationship with Christ. Yes, your salvation is secure. It's one of my favorite points to make. It's not to do with your salvation. You're good. You're tight. You're strong. You can't wiggle out of it. You can't end it because you did not start it. God predestined you, elected you, you're His child, and He enabled you to believe. My father and I had a conversation once, and he's not a believer. And I said, you know, Dad, a lot of people, when they think of the, the justice of God and they think of election, they get mad because they think that Jesus just goes by these uh, jail cells and says, you, you, you. Come with me. The rest of y'all stay. And they were like, that's not fair. It's like, but they were all in prison on death row. Justice. It's right. You're not, it's not fair because these guys did not get justice. They got mercy. That's not fair. God is not fair. He is just in that sense. Do you understand that? If He were fair then we would receive justice. We would receive what we deserve. But in this sense, we get mercy. We get mercy. Um, And it's like we think that... We tend to think everybody's got their face to the jail cell and their hand out to Jesus saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. But we don't. And people don't. We know this. The world doesn't. Because they don't even see the bars do they? They don't even see the bars because they're over here in their world. Their back is turned and they're in their world over here. They don't even, they're not like this. They're like this in their own, in their own world. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off of that theological rant. All right. Back on track, Mike. Sorry. Um, good conversation with my dad, by the way. So stay in the Word. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Um, For you know that the testing of your faith, when back to the devil is accusing us, the devil has accused Jesus. Um, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet these trials. So rejoice in them, because the full effect is steadfastness and joy. So, recently our faith was tested. We had to trust God to find Jared, our son, a place to live. And as we searched, as we were going off to Athens, as we searched, it seemed that all the doors kept closing. We tried this, we tried this, tried this, and 
It's just nothing seemed to work out. We didn't feel comfortable. The price was way too expensive. And we're just like, uh. And the temptation to fear not finding him a place in time, because we have six weeks before we go, was real, was there, was present. But we did our best to resist that temptation. Uh, James 4 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has taken you, uh, has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So, here we are, tempted, fear, anxiety, maybe. Uh, is this going to work out? It does. Recovery. Fourth point, or third point, excuse me. Matthew 4.11 says, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. After Jesus was tempted and did not sin, Scripture says that angels were ministering to him. So Jesus was ministered to after his temptation, according to this passage. We need the same and even more after our struggles. So we came here to... um, or So during this time of searching for Jared, we came here and we talked to some of you. You guys know this story. Um, and we, we could, you guys could see that we were weary. Um, we, Caroline and I could tell we were getting a little more anxious, a little bit more uh, tension was building in us as it, things weren't coming together. And so we came here to recover. And some of you to here today are in that mode right now. You guys are in recovery mode. And you are in the right place because this is recovery. It's true that we don't have a pasture yet and things aren't steady, steady eddy, and, but it's okay because you are still the body of Christ to each other. And yeah, Mike's sermon today, yeah, it's sort of, yeah. But you know what? It could be that God uses you as a minister of His grace um, to someone else who needs recovery. And so that's what it's about too, to be here, letting God use you um, as a minister of His grace. Um, So we did that. We let you, we let our needs be known, and you helped us recover. God used you to minister to us. We ask you to pray uh, to help for us to find a place for Jerry to stay as he goes to uh, Trident Tech for a year. And you did. Um, we had a budget, um, and we were going on the mission field. We were leaving two children behind, and we needed, like, okay, we can do this, but we at least need peace of mind knowing they're going to be okay. So God is always faithful. He lavished on Jared an amazing place to live. And He lavished on us peace of mind. We feel so good about it. So we breathe a sigh of relief. 
we realize how much we did not trust God still, and we have that area that life needs to grow, but we celebrated and we rejoiced how much God loves us by providing for Jared and for our peace of mind. Lastly, this recovery has allowed us to go back to work, to refocus on the task at hand, getting ready to go to Greece to help start a church plant in a small neighborhood six miles northeast of Athens Center. And for you, too, this pattern of growth continues until Christ returns. God has set each of you in this place exactly where He wants you to be. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God set the members in the body, every one of them, as it has pleased Him. So you're right where you should be. You're right where you should be until He moves you. So the pattern of growth continues. I'll conclude with this and then we'll pray. We will all enjoy more cloud nine experiences because God loves to give us gifts. We will all have more tests because God wants our faith and joy to grow. And God will provide for all of us recovery and will use as his means of grace, use us as his means of grace to minister to others. So we can all continue doing the good work for which we were created. It is my prayer, and I believe God's design, that every time we cycle, cycle through this pattern of experiences, we find ourselves a little closer to God and a little more joyful. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the patterns that You put in our, our life through Scripture. Thank You for testing us. Thank You for not allowing us to be tempted more than we are able. Thank You for providing the church to not only to worship You and to magnify Your name and to make it larger and more glorious, but to help us recover as we worship and as we exist in the body of Christ. And thank You for the good work that You have appointed us to do. The good works that You've predestined and planned for us to do. Thank You, God, so much. We pray that today as we leave, we would be a little more prepared to face the joyous task of passing Your test, becoming closer to You, In the name of Christ we pray, amen.